Hello and welcome to episode two of season three of the More Math for More People podcast. It's May 16th, 2023. Cheers. Hello there, I'm Joel. And I'm Misty. And you're listening to the More Math for More People podcast, an outreach of CPM Educational Program. We have a lot of conversations about math and math education on this podcast. We're passionate about continually improving the way math is taught, and we hope that you learn something in every episode that helps you become better at what you do. And we hope that you have some fun and laugh as well. That always makes things a little more interesting. Yep, we're pretty passionate about having fun, Joel. So please have a listen, and we think it'll be well worth it. Boom. All right, it is our National Day of segment on the More Math for More People podcast. So, Joel, what day is it today? Today is National Do Something Good for Your Neighbor Day. Do something good for your neighbor day. Something good. I wonder if they have a do something bad for your neighbor day. Very specific wording. Do something good, not do something nice, do something kind, Mm, do something good. Do something good. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. There's some connotation there. What is good? Yeah. Well, it's like a more of an action or. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So it's national. Do something good for your neighbor day. Yeah. Do you interact with your neighbors? (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. So this is, (laughs) I don't interact with my neighbors much. Uh Yeah. I do. This is a funny thing I think about every once in a while. I do actually know the names of my two neighbors on each side of my house. Mm-hmm. I don't know any of my neighbors across the street. Interesting. I mean, to be fair, one of the buildings, like there's a couple of buildings across the street that are like apartments and lots of people move in and out. But mm-hmm. like, clearly there's a house that is across the street from me. People live there. They've lived here as long as I've lived here. I see them all the time. I could describe them to you. I don't have any idea. Gotcha. But that's just, that is, that is an introvert way of living. Mm -hmm. And clearly also it's the kind of thing that I'm actually, I feel good that I know my two neighbors' names because I've lived in my house for seven years. And it's clearly a time when it would be awkward to say, and what is your name again? Yes. So I'm pretty happy about that. But yeah, I do know their names. We don't interact very much. (laughs) I I actually made a a map when when I moved in because Mm -hmm. like you, I felt like I don't want to say, what was your name again? But Mm -hmm. Five years later. And so I keep it in the kitchen and Mm -hmm. it has everybody's name. And when somebody moves, I find out. And my- This is very proactive, Joel. Thank you. And (laughs) one thing that I do that I feel like is good for the neighbor during the holiday season in the winter time, that Mm -hmm. end of December, early January time, I'll go, I'll stay up till like two, three in the morning. And I bought like those little round tins of cookies at Walgreens or whatever. Sometimes they're selling Costco. And I go deliver them like a secret elf at that time into their porches. So you're sneaking up to people's houses. So I do sneaky good things. So you'd get caught at my house because I have a porch camera. So (laughs) I wonder if they do too. (laughs) Because I really try and be sneaky. All your neighbors are like, yeah, that guy over there. I forgot his name. But he comes up yeah. into our porches all the time and delivers us cookies. He's very kind. That's funny. I didn't even think about the doorbell <laughs> camera. Well, but, you'll have to come up with a different plan because it's not the middle of winter to I know, do something I know. good for your neighbors. Well, you and can I do started, something good for your neighbors that wasn't directly 
like related to a thing. Yeah, like an actual yeah. thing. I, I think that like it feels more open. Like I could do something good for it's my more neighborhood. More in the spirit, absolutely. Kind of like, and I, I, it got me thinking a little bit too about teachers and education. But your neighbor could be the teacher next to you in the school or something like that. There's different areas where you, you could have a neighbor. Neighbor, or that's you... right. Maybe you're on the bus, and my seat partner is my neighbor. You'd be do prepared to good. do something good for them. <laughs> I'll carry my satchel of good things. You have a satchel of good things? Oh, yeah. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> well, mine's a lease of good things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, good. Well, okay, so what's your plan then for today? I don't really have a plan. Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it's just going to have to come from the universe a little bit. It'll be spontaneous. Let's see. I'm not sure. Maybe it'll be yard work, although the weather's been so iffy here in Salt Lake City. So I don't know if I personally, that would be doing good if I went out in that weather. And I, Anyways, I'm digressing. <laughs> Sounds like a lot. But do okay. some landscaping day. It's yeah. not do landscaping day. <laughs> it's do something good for your neighbor day. Yes. It, all right. All right. So it's, but you're just going to see what strikes you and do that. That's right. I appreciate it. I, I might consider building a valise of good things. That sounds like something maybe I should do. I think that's a great idea. All right. There you go. Enjoy how you will. So as promised, we have the second half of our conversation with Steve Leinwand that we started in episode 3.1. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly suggest you go back and listen to that conversation, our very animated conversation with Steve Leinwand in episode 3.1 from two weeks ago. And here is part two of that conversation. Enjoy. I'm wondering, I... I what I'm hearing in a lot of what you're saying is some of it's frustration and some of it's wanting to do things and running into roadblocks and bumps and various other things. And I'm and I'm wondering if there's some places that you're seeing some hope. Like oh, where yes. are you seeing where are you seeing that right now? All right. So there are a whole lot of places doing some amazing things. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't mind naming South Burlington, Vermont as mm -hmm. one example of a really good, smart collaborative department with incredibly strong leadership by John Painter. And, and they have the support of the administration. And it's really exciting to see how they are moving to integrated math, how they are doing stuff. All I know is that I was doing some work on, I'm trying to identify some really great teachers a bunch of years ago. And I ended up in South Burlington and walked into John Painter's classroom. This is a dude who teaches AP stat, AP calculus, and then the special ed low-level Algebra 1. Hmm. So I'm in his low-level Algebra 1 class. The kids walk in. There are only eight kids. He's got them all sitting in a semicircle up, up in the front, doesn't let them hide in the back of the room. And the first thing that comes up on the whiteboard is a 4 by 4 Ken Ken. And the bell hasn't even rung. And he's already go. all right, let's go. We got it. Okay, I'm waiting. Turn to tell your partner, what can you fill in? To listen to these kids that everyone has written off for all time memorial, sit there and go, I think that the second row, third column has got to be a four. Oh, how do you know? And they justify. Well, it can't be a three because there's one above it. It can't be a two. And because of the sign, it couldn't be, it couldn't be a one. So I mean, that's, that's what's possible. When you look at the ways in which the internet gives us fawn wins visual patterns, Robert Kaplinsky's open middle, 
those tasks are there. We can we can spice things up. We can engage kids. We can do all kinds of things. And and I get to see that in places you know like that. The work that that Robert Blinsky did before he moved on in Downey, California. I mean, it's a large California school district, and they're doing some really exciting things. And they have, for years, combined algebra two and pre-calculus in ways that make a whole lot of sense. I had spent a lot of time with the Success Academy charter schools. So here we're talking about New York City. We're talking about 94% of the 40,000, 30,000, let's say they got 50, 40 schools, about 20,000 kids. 94% are black or brown, and they are the highest performing school district in New York State. I mean, they are now sending kids to college at unbelievable rates. It is so hopeful because it's leadership, it's coherence, it's commitment, and it's quality teaching, and it's administrators that they're, they're never in their office. They live in the buildings. They're out there in classrooms. They're out there in teacher meetings. They're the lead teacher. And so there are places like they're incredibly exciting and they're not, none of the places I named are not the Scarsdales and the Gross Points and all of those of the world. You know, it's easy to do south of San Francisco in some ways. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. even the kids that don't go to private school are still going to school, ready to, ready to do it. I've, I've been impressed in some ways with Palo Alto over the years, but again, there's such pressure from the parents to just not step outside of the traditional norm for fear that their kids will be disadvantaged. Yeah, I am, like you said, I'm incredibly optimistic about some of the things going on, and I am incredibly frustrated by some of the other stuff, but that's what, you know, change agents don't win all their battles. They push and push and push, (laughs) you know, the the calculator stuff. Sometimes you have to break rules. Sometimes you have to just recognize that the rules only prevent change from happening or rules are there to prevent people from having to deal with any kind of controversy. You know, I'm this low-level state math consultant in 1986. You don't call state board members at home. You can't do that because you'd be stepping on all kinds of toes. You'd screw it up with a, well, you know what? I knew that I had their support inside the department, and I knew I needed three additional board members. You know, one board member in particular, very well off, ran two of the largest car dealerships in Fairfield County, finished state legislator. And I just called him at home one evening and said, so, Steve, my one, you know who I am. I've given reports on our state test and all to the board. I said, I need your help. He says, you know, you're not supposed to be calling me. I said, yeah, I understand that. I said, so you want to call me up on it? Fine, they can fire me. I said, I think the union will protect me, but that's not what's going on here. This is about kids. I said, you tell me how you'd run your car dealerships if you didn't have calculators. How are you going to decide the loans? How do you do all those things? He said, well, of course. I said, so we're still asking kids to do computation. I use those stories to remind people that there's safety in numbers and there's the need to take some risks in order to serve kids. And no, does it work all the time? No, but I spent a lot of time strategizing with math coordinators and math supervisors. I think during the pandemic, again, change agent, um, mentoring. I, I spend um, during the pandemic probably two hours a week talking with friends. I just got an email the other day from, hey, we want to pick your brain. Can, can we talk about some of these issues in a particular state? And so... You, you try and empower people. You try and give them some ideas and you go from there. 
it gives me great pleasure. That's really yeah. cool. It is very apparent, Steve, that you are very, very passionate about this and very passionate about math education and moving it forward and, what, and whatever that looks like. And what kind of a society do we have if we have the kind of mathematical illiteracy that led to people not understanding data, ignoring data, not believing data is important during this pandemic? It's just, it's just pathetic. Well, we want to, this is about all the time we have for today. That's so great. thank you so much yes, for coming so on the much. podcast and sharing your great ideas and thoughts and passion with us. We appreciate Super. it so much. Well, thanks for asking me. This is always fun to do and it'll be fun to see how this comes out. And I'm really <laughs> looking forward to showing up in Minneapolis at the CPM conference. You know, I go way, yeah. way back to when Judy Kish first started some of the mm-hmm. CPM stuff. I've looked at any number of editions of of it over the years Uh and you know it's always been it's always been ahead of its time and it's always tried to not get too far in front and it's been Mm. fun to see thank you thank you for that we look forward to seeing you there super thanks Thanks, guys thank you bye-bye As we get to the end of a school year, end of a process, it's always good to think back and reflect upon things that you want to remember, that our future forgetful selves want to remember. And one fun activity I know of to help with this is writing a letter to yourself. And so you would write down anything you wanted to remember, maybe some encouragement for the next process. I've done it with students before done it with other teachers before. And it's just a way that you can have that reflection time and then be reminded of that reflection later when the letter gets sent to you and to help put you back in that space of the things that you wanted to remember. And there's a website called futureme.org. And if you go to that website, you're able to write yourself a future letter, Dear Future Me. You can have it go in a few months, a year, 10 years. Send it just to yourself, send it to others if you wanted to. But since we're reflecting on ourselves, I'd suggest just have it sent to yourself and write down those things that you want to remember. So maybe it's a study team and teaching strategy you tried or a pacing idea in the curriculum, or maybe it was just pacing within a lesson that you wanted to remember, little things like that, or the feeling that you have now at the end of the school year that you want to continue that energy in the fall. You could do this with students as well, then have students write a letter to themselves that they would receive in a certain amount of time, months, year, however you wanted to set it up. But I really recommend taking that time to reflect, taking that time to just process what you've been working on lately. Maybe it's something from the podcast you want to remember, but write that down. Again, it's futureme.org. And write that letter to yourself and see if it helps you in the future. Just a friendly tip. Here is a repeat of one of our announcements from last podcast. We're still looking for some people for this segment. So if you are interested, please drop us a line. Thanks.
Our second announcement is about a recurring segment that we want to do during next school year. It's called Join Them on Their Journey. And this recurring segment, we would like to have a few people who are using CPM or working with teachers using CPM to give us a short recording periodically throughout the year about how things are going for them. So we're looking for teachers, both first-year teachers or teachers who have a more than one year experience doing CPM. We're also looking for administration folks or an instructional coach who are working with teachers using CPM. And if you're interested in being part of this recurring segment, all you have to do is record a little recording and send it to us. It's really easy. Give us a line at cpmpodcast at cpm.org and let us know that you're interested or you can recommend slash nominate someone else that you think would be a good person for this recurring segment called Join Them on Their Journey. So it's really easy. We can give you more information and more details if you contact us at cpmpodcast at cpm.org. So just send us an email. If you're interested, we would love to hear from you. So that's all we have time for on this episode of the More Math for More People podcast. For more information and to stay connected, find CPM on Twitter and Facebook. You can find our handles in the podcast description. The music for the podcast was created by Julius H. and can be found on pixabay.com. Thanks, Julius. Join us in two weeks for the next episode of More Math for More People. What day will that be, Joel? It'll be May 30th, National Hole in My Bucket Day. And it'll be fun to find out more about this, but you know that old song that hopefully everybody's had a chance to hear and sing about Henry's going to help dear Liza, but there's a hole in the bucket, so he's got to figure out what to do. So Liza says, better fix it. And then, of course, Henry says, but how should I fix it? And Liza says, well, straw, Henry, of course she should do that. And then Henry says, but the straw is too long. And then Liza says, well, cut it. And then... Henry says, how should I cut it? And Liza says, with a knife, of course, And the, but the knife's too dull. And then she, Liza says, sharpen it. But then what do you sharpen it with? And Liza says...